phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Dave Harinkew here with you. Be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, thanks. Well, that's good to hear. You have a nice weekend, I assume. It was it was decent. I mean, I told you guys a little bit about it before. Um, I won't bore people with anything, but yeah, it was all right. It was a, I was more excited about the game than I think anything else that happened this weekend. Yeah, so. I think so. And I mean, the electricity in East Lansing from that game Saturday night was just. Indescribable. The only thing is we had some dumb people partying and drinking and burning things that night. So Yeah, you know, and you're always going to get that. Yeah. You, you, you really will. I mean, yes, we never want our fans to behave that way, but... There were, it was just. I don't think this. I don't think a lot of people have seen a win like this oh, in no. a long time. Whether you've been a fan of this team for a long time, I mean, if you want to go back to the game, the play last year with Little Giants, I think this had a completely different feel to it. Especially because Notre Dame, I don't think, was as good as they were supposed to be last no, year. No, exactly. So, and Wisconsin was really good this yeah, year. Yeah, so. really good. But uh, we will definitely get into full detail regarding that game. But uh, since the man picked the team that was going to win, uh, me and Megan did go with the Badgers. Have to admit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but James Akers, he's back with us. He did pick the Michigan State Spartans, Wolverine, but picked the Spartan. Good stuff, James. Nice having the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I don't know. Not a problem. And you earned it. Like I said, you earned it. You picked right. You got to bring you on. Okay. But, um, yes, again, we have a lot to get to on today's show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be talking about the Spartans and their heroic win against the Badgers this Saturday night at Spartan Stadium. We'll also kind of get into what this means for Michigan State the rest of the way here. Only five games left and really starting to, you know, uh, you know, distance themselves. They're in the Legends division. We'll also be getting to our Detroit Lions, now losing two in a row, losing to the Atlanta Falcons this last Sunday here at Ford Field. Again, two home games lost in a row. Dissect this game, kind of look forward to the Lions and what they have going on with themselves. We will also definitely be talking about other games in college football, the NFL. You have the World Series going right now, all tied up at two games apiece. We'll get into that a little bit. And favorite Tigers moment. Um, you know, this whole season, we didn't have a chance uh, last week to really get to that. A lot to talk about, but we'll have a little more time this week. And um, I'd like everyone to start thinking out there, our listeners, what was your favorite moment for the Tigers this season? Uh, I know we all have ours, but let's see if you have yours. Phone number is 517-432-3893. You can call an all show. Uh, definitely love to hear what you have to say. We'll also get to Detroit Red Wings, talk a little bit about them. They've only played six games, but we definitely have to mention one of our one of our hometown teams. Talladega with NASCAR, obviously always a crazy, ridiculous race at the end. We'll get that for you at the end. But again, the phone number is 517-432-3893. Give us a call whenever you want. But we are going to get to the Spartans against the Badgers this Saturday night in East Lansing at Spartan Stadium, 8 o'clock game time. Beautiful day, gorgeous day. Uh, the week before that or earlier that week, rainy, kind of cold. It really looked, it was crisp. It was a perfect night for football, and what a game. The Spartans get down 14 to nothing after the end of the first quarter. And I know at least myself watching this game, I really thought kind of same old song and dance here with the Spartans. Big game, nationally, you know, nationally, you know, college game day was here. And, then, you know, they were just kind of not fold, but kind of, you know, a quick 14 nothing thinking, oh, no. What's going to happen? But then the second quarter comes along, and talk about a spark that this defense gave our team. Not only blocking a punt for a touchdown, blocking a field goal, the defense just got this team going, and we get ahead 23-14 by the end of the first half. Uh, the Spartans end up winning this game 37-31 to on a Hail Mary pass from Kurt Cousins that Keith Nickel ends up catching after it bounces off B.J. Cunningham's face mask in the end zone, Nickel grabs it, fights his way to barely cross the goal line, and they went after a review. This was ruled not a touchdown on the field. They had to go to review, and once they went to review, it did conclusively show that Keith Nickel did break the plane with the football. Spartans win 37-31 in one of the most dramatic football games, honestly, I have ever, I have ever watched. And I'm going to start with you, Megan. You were there. Mm-hmm. Just tell me what you saw, what the atmosphere was like, and the ups and downs of this game. Like I said, you get down quick in the first, you get back up there in the second, and then the second half starts rolling. Before you know it, Wisconsin's just needling their way back, and before you know it, it's tied up. So what are you guys thinking And what do you, you know, this whole time? Um, I mean, the first quarter, uh, I, was, I was sitting in front of some guys, but even I was thinking this. We look like a high school football team. We were getting knocked around everywhere. You know, our defensive line even looked like, amateur Uh and once a minute into the second quarter i remember it was like 
fort like 1405 finally everything started to turn around they looked better and better and better Zach in the end zone for the safety yep. to kick it off yep. yep all that good stuff they they looked so good and we were just nervous for the second half when they went into the the locker room cuz everything was so the, the atmosphere between us and the team was just so electric. Yeah. Before the ha- before halftime, we were just afraid when they came back out, it wouldn't be the same. Lose a little of that yeah, momentum. Mm-hmm. They did a little bit, um, but they finally picked it back up. Um, the ups and downs. I mean, everything looked good in the middle. That's the one thing I'll say. Everything looked good between like the second and the third quarter. The one thing that really bothered me is. Um, we let them catch up to us in the, in the last quarter. Yeah. We, we made it so that they could tie us, and I wish they would have stayed as strong throughout the, the entire game. They did look good. I mean, we could have totally let it go down the drain. Um, I really liked our passing. Um, the blocked punt that I told you freaked me out because I didn't, I didn't know if we were going to get it or not because he kept fumbling it. and <laughs> I, they, they just looked, they did look good. They did pick it up after the first quarter, and I was really, really happy about that because MSU is known as a second-half team. And I'm glad they could bring it out against the number 6 Wisconsin um, and, you know, bring it out in the second quarter and get ahead of them before halftime, like a good amount ahead of them. So... I was I was pretty I was pretty proud of them I was pretty excited just because no we were picked as the underdog Lee Corso's 200th pick he He's picked Wisconsin yeah because he said he wouldn't go against him and you know he should have picked the Spartans and I understand that <laughs> and I do look we both picked Wisconsin mm-hmm. I mean I understand why Corso would go with them as well I mean Vegas thought you know Wisconsin had this uh, Vegas had him favored at like eight um, eight points eight point favorites on the road uh, but Michigan State came to play. Um, and whether they did let that lead kind of trickle away from them somewhat in the fourth quarter, of course, they're up 31-17. to And then Russell Wilson, you know, 22-yard touchdown run there with about eight minutes left. And with about a buck 30 left, another, you know, short run by Monty Ball before, you know, it's 31-31. And you really, I, I never wanted this game to go to overtime. I wanted to somehow see that Dan Conroy field goal, just drive that ball enough down the field. But what a finish. And James, I want to go to you for the finish. How long has it been or have you ever honestly witnessed a game ending in this type of fashion, at least in your lifetime? Uh, not in college football. I can't really say that I have. I've seen it in the NFL where you kind of expect something like that from... More heroics because from, from, they're professionals. Right, these are professionals. But yeah. I have not seen anything like that, at least that I can remember, in college football. It was pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Now, as Wolverine, did any part of you die inside? No. Just a little part of you? No, because remember, I did make this <laughs> I know. So you really wanted to pick the workout. I don't know. The one thing I think I was most impressed with them is we won with no penalties. Thank you. That's the one thing, because I don't know how many times you and I, and even you, have harped on them about penalties. We're like, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it. And we beat a number six team, being number, number 16, with no penalties, no penalty yards. We did it clean. And Absolutely, I, that's clean. great, and we did it without Golston too. And that's the thing—you do it off after a week, where it's all about the personal fouls. Has MSU a dirty team? Are they too rough? Are they too whatever? Golston suspended a game, and it, honestly, to not have one false start, to not have one offside—not even one iota of one simple little mistake—is to me the most impressive part about it. And that's a great point. I mean, zero penalty yards is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I don't care what level you're playing. That is absolutely incredible, especially how loud the atmosphere in oh, yeah. Spartan Stadium was. And, I mean, even Wisconsin did a good job. They only had 40 yards and penalty yards as well. I think they had a couple false starts, though. They did, and that was probably due to the crowd. Oh, gosh, we were loud. Yeah. I will say that. I could not hear. <laughs> as we you loud. should be. That's, and that's great. Um, and, you know, you, you look overall at our team, a lot of people, you know, questioning is Kirk Cousins, you know, is, is he good enough? Is he, is he, you know, it looks like he's regressing a little bit. Well, Kirk Cousins went 22 of 31 passing, 290 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He did exactly what he needed to do in an outperforming Russell Wilson. And that was one of the keys. Which quarterback's going to come out on top of this battle? And it was Kirk Cousins. Russell Wilson went 14 of 21 passing, 223 yards, two touchdowns, but two interceptions as well. And those interceptions being very key. Uh, I think we all knew that Wisconsin has a great running attack. I think we knew that we weren't going to be able to completely stop that by any means. Not with Monty Ball, not with White, um, even Wilson himself. The mobile quarterback, he can run. Uh, But, you know, we did enough on the ground ourselves. Michigan State rushed for 109 total yards, 87 of those coming from Le'Veon Bell who was our horse. He's the guy that really we were going to all game. And the kid got it done, averaging 5.4 yards a carry, 16 carries again for 87 yards. You know, I mean, James, what was, in your opinion, the defining factor for why Michigan State wins this game? I mean, what was the thing that put him over the hump to really beat a team that 
quite frankly, if you played this game probably five times, Wisconsin would win three of them. Well, you again, you have to factor in the fact that they were, they didn't make any mistakes when it comes to penalties, which was huge. That's always huge in a game. Oh yeah. Um, you didn't see a lot of turnovers, um, and you just really got a great game from from everybody. I mean, the offensive line looked good, the defensive line looked good, quarterback played well. You had good running back play, good wide receiver play, obviously. Yes. With the last second pass and catch, but uh, I mean, I think just all together as a team, they really put it together this week. Yeah, they did. And I just want to congratulate the whole team. No one in specific, but I mean, honestly, Cousins, Cunningham, Keyshawn Martin, you could go on and on. I mean, everyone in that team, that was a team win. That wasn't just, you know, one, you know, miraculous play like it was at the end. No, it was an entire game. And if it wasn't for our defense doing what they did, and special teams especially doing what they did in the second quarter, this game could easily get out of reach very, very quickly. I think the safety energizes this ball club enough. Before you know it, it's 14-9. to And I think then Wisconsin starts worrying, oh, wait a minute, we're kind of losing control of this a little bit. And we don't want it. The last time you want to lose control of a game is right before the end of a half. And, uh, you know, Michigan State getting two quick scores there, uh, especially after blocking the field goal to give themselves another quick chance. What a win. Just mm-hmm. what a win. Um, very impressed overall. I mean, we were 8 for 16 on third downs, which is incredible. Um, it's, that's a great job, especially from a Wisconsin team that you know has shown they are very good on defense all season. And not to mention just that offensively, just more proficient than Michigan State, averaging 50.3 yards a game. Uh, and for Michigan State to really show them that they're for real. And I think that's what Michigan State did. I think they showed the Big Ten. I think they showed the country that they are for real. Yes, they did lose to Notre Dame. And you know what? It, they shouldn't have lost that game. They didn't play a good game, and Notre Dame played better than them. Notre Dame is not as bad, as bad of a team as you know people wanted to think they were. They're not at all. Notre Dame is solid. They should have been 2-0 easily coming into play for us going over there to South Bend to play them. But nonetheless, we discussed this when they lost to Notre Dame. It was an early loss. It was a chance for them to really grow, to really realize, all right, we can get this off our backs, now let's just play football. And you know what? That's what they've been doing week in and week out. Because as I've said to begin with, this October schedule was murderer's row and was going to make or break this team. Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nebraska, it doesn't get more difficult than that. And they still have one more week to finish out, hopefully a 4-0 month. But beating Ohio State at Ohio State really putting the beat down on Michigan, and now beating the number 6 team in Wisconsin, who everyone thought was easily the powerhouse of the Big Ten, to me has started to set MSU on a path to, again, finish with a magical way. And that's what I want to get to right now, and I want to ask our listeners, what do you think of Michigan State going forward? We have five weeks left. This team is 6-1. and one. They sit on top of the Legends division, 3-0 and oh in the Big Ten so far, 6-1 and one overall. Where do you see this team coming down to it? I mean, are we playing in the Big Ten title game? Where are some of your other losses? I mean, we've got to play Minnesota, at Iowa, at Northwestern, at Nebraska, and we have to play uh, Indiana. What do you think? 517-432-3893. Where do you see the Spartans going forward? And let's just discuss this as a whole. We don't need to go one-on-one. I mean, Megan, what do you think of this team going forward here now? I I think they should be pretty good. They should be in pretty good shape, to be honest. I'm not going to say they're going to go for the championship because we do have a very, very, very tough Nebraska game coming up. Just because Wisconsin beat Nebraska doesn't mean automatically Michigan State is going to beat Nebraska because we beat Wisconsin. Um, yeah, you know, the transitive property, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> exactly. just work there. No, they have to play They have to play their hearts out like they did this past weekend, I think, in order to beat Nebraska because Nebraska is no one to, you know, just be like, oh, well, you know, you know we're going to beat them um, because we beat Wisconsin. That's, I think, going to be our toughest game of the season um, coming up because we are coming off a very um, energetic kind of draining game. Emotional. Um, very yeah, emotional. exactly. And so going on to next week, especially it being away, um, that's going to make it even more difficult because we're not in Spartan Stadium. But I mean, Indiana, Illinois, and Iowa. No, we don't have to actually, we don't have to play Illinois. Um, we're going to be at Nebraska this uh, coming Saturday. I'm sorry, I meant Indiana, yeah. Yeah, no, then it's uh, we have Minnesota at home, which Minnesota. chalk up a win. Yeah. Uh, they're not losing Minnesota. Um, at Iowa, that'll be a tough game. Okay. Um, then you're at home against Indiana. There's another win. So mark two of those as wins for sure. Right. And then at Northwestern. I can't say win for sure. I mean, I'm going to pick it as a win, but yeah. it's still not a guarantee. Right, exactly. And that's I think they're pretty golden after Nebraska. Honestly, Wisconsin will probably be another test um, just because they have they have had their good games and their bad games. So mm-hmm. we'll see how they're doing, especially as a home game. So honestly, I think they're pretty good, except for Nebraska. So are you seeing, are you seeing let's say right now, rematch Wisconsin-Michigan State Big Ten title game December 3rd? A, a lot of people are saying that, and, you know, I can see it. I can see it for sure. And I think it'd be an excellent good game, and I think so many people would be watching that. I think it'd be hyped to, to no end. I <laughs> oh, think yeah. uh, the media fans... 
uh, just in general, I think would absolutely that probably be one of the best matchups. James, I mean, going forward here at Nebraska, Nebraska a team that you know they're they're good. Okay, this is nothing. They're not bad, but a lot of times people forget when you change conferences. They're coming from the Big Twelve. There's some growing pains. And I think we've seen those growing pains here with Nebraska. Um, Nebraska, they are as well six and one. Okay, they're two and one in the conference. Their one loss coming to Wisconsin, as Megan had mentioned. They lost forty-eight to seventeen at Wisconsin, uh, but nonetheless, still can score. What do you see us? How, how we're going to face up against this team? Because I think a lot of people, even myself, thought Nebraska was going to come into the Big Ten and actually be yep. very powerful. So did I. I thought they were going to come in and really just kind of. And look, they are six and one, but they rank fifty-fourth overall in points against. Their defense is not what it what we thought it might be. Jared Crick being injured. Um, they're giving up 25.3 points a game with the Spartans ranking 7th right now, only giving up, let's see, one second. There it goes, 13.7 points a game. So what do you think of this matchup next week? Well, first of all, I think Nebraska with their defense not as as good as it was last year. I mean, they lost Prince Nakamura, was, which was huge. huge. I mean, yes. that was he was such an outstanding cornerback. Um, I did predict Nebraska to win the Big Ten title at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have not gone completely away from that. Um, there's still a pretty good chance of that happening. I do see Michigan State losing to Nebraska. Okay. Uh, I feel like with them going away at Nebraska, it's going to be something they're not quite used to. I mean, there isn't a lot of traveling to Nebraska for Michigan State over the past few years. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a really big game. Um, like like you said yourself, and also Megan, you can't just predict it as a win, seeing that they beat Wisconsin. Um, but okay. I do see Michigan State finishing out the rest of their season with one, maybe only two more losses. And the other loss I could see is probably Iowa. Um, and Iowa. I, I I feel like Iowa is going to beat both Michigan State and Michigan. Okay. Well, that's 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 good for uh, neither of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing around, but um, no, I mean I think Ed Nebraska is obviously going to be a tough game. When you look historically, we fared terribly against Nebraska, losing five straight by like 26, 27 points. Um, but again, we haven't played in Nebraska in a good while. Uh, I don't think you can ever take anything from ten years ago and really try to base it upon a game of, the, of right now, here and now. I don't think it has holds any clout. In any way, but going into Nebraska next week, I think the scarier thing for Michigan State is just how hungry Nebraska. I know they are when it comes to this right now. Nebraska knows that this is a must-win game for them. Um, I think they know it for sure. And you know, Bo Pelini has already said it himself. You know, if we don't beat Michigan State, we won't win the Big Ten. Because what happens is that if they lose to Michigan State here, they're going to be two games behind. And not to mention, Michigan State will own the tiebreaker, and they will own the tiebreaker against Wisconsin, against Nebraska, against Ohio State, and against Michigan. Pretty much most of the teams that are irrelevant in the conversation. I know Penn State, don't get me wrong, is sitting atop the leaders division right now. Another team we will be getting to, not today, but in next week's show, because they are a very, very quiet um, 7-0. Yes. So somebody to watch out for, Penn State as well. Very A very quiet 7-0. But uh, nonetheless, this game... I think we'll have the same type of feel that the Wisconsin game had this past weekend. Sure, it won't be a night game, but I think Michigan State and Nebraska know what's on the line here because after this week, like we've said, you got to play Minnesota, Indiana, at Iowa, at Northwestern. That's just not that difficult. Um, it really isn't. They've gotten through their tough part, so they can come through next week. Uh, look to Michigan State to be, you know, I think full full head of steam the rest of the way. I see no reason why they wouldn't. I think this is a more mature team than last season. I think it's a team that learned. From that late loss, October 30th or 29th, whatever day it was last year to Iowa, where they had the beat down 37-6, that really kind of took us out of that picture of the Rose Bowl. And even though we were co-champions of the Big Ten, it still wasn't enough in the voters' minds. And it never is. It never is that late. And that's why I say if you lose late, you're screwed. You lose early, you can make up for it. And that's what the Spartans need to do here. Um, I do see one more loss here in the Spartan schedule the rest of the way. It could be Nebraska. It could be at Iowa. Could be at Northwestern, probably not at North, Northwestern. They haven't got a win in the Big Ten yet. But Nebraska and Iowa will be the two tests, I think, for Michigan State the rest of the way because they haven't beaten Iowa at Iowa since 1989. So it's been a minute, <laughs> to say the least. But real fast, uh, the Big Ten had some honors to hand out um, after this weekend, and quarterback Kirk Cousins was named Big Ten's co-offensive player of the week, and Kyler Ellsworth was named the Big Ten's top special teams player. Um, Ellsworth was the man who uh, blocked the punt late in the second quarter, and it was recorded in the end zone by Benny Fowler. So, uh, you know, great job there. And I guess Ellsworth also had a big play on defense, stuffing James White on third and two at the Michigan State 14 midway through the second quarter, which then resulted in the blocked punt. 
I'm blocked field goal, field goal excuse me. So uh, congratulations to both of those guys for earning those accolades. Uh, very impressive. Looking at the AP and the coaches poll and the BCS, because there's like 10 million polls these days, as usual, um, the Michigan State has jumped up to ninth in the Associated Press poll, which is very impressive. They were sitting 15th before this victory. And uh, now they are as well 10 in the coaches poll. They were 13th in the coaches poll a week ago. When looking at the BCS poll, just a little different. Uh, we are 11th in the BCS poll. Again, for anyone who's not aware of what the BCS standings, what they use to kind of figure this out, they take a third. They took the coaches poll, they take the Harris poll, and they take six computer rankings. So it's split up in the thirds. It's a third of the coaches poll, a third of the Harris poll, and then six computer rankings, which is what determines these BCS standings and really some of the most important standings. And again, we are eleventh in those standings. So the computer is giving us some love for beating Wisconsin. Um, looking at your top ten, though, overall still LSU first place in the Associated Press poll. Alabama's two, Oak State is three, Stanford's four, Boise State five, Clemson is six, Oregon seven, Arkansas eight. Again, Michigan State is nine, Kansas State is ten. Kansas State seven and zero. It's going to be a good game coming up here next week as well with Kansas State. Um, some teams that uh, ended up falling out: Oklahoma. Uh, well, actually, not falling out, but Oklahoma dropping. They fell to 11th in the Associated Press Bowl after losing to Texas Tech 41-38 to this weekend. Some other Big Ten teams around in for the AP poll. Wisconsin fell to 12. Uh, Michigan is at 17. And Penn State is 21. And they're not 7-0, excuse me. They are 7-1. and But uh, nonetheless, those are your Big Ten teams. Illinois falling out because guess who they lost to? Purdue. Mm. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. That's, that's terrible. Just terrible. And real fast, and this is what we'll get to. And uh, James, I want you to kick this off. You are, you know, you got Wolverine blue blood uh, flowing through your veins. And, uh, you know, uh, Michigan just came off a bye week. So they got to heal up. You know, a lot of guys banged and bruised. Uh, What do you see from Michigan coming up here against Purdue? Uh, You know, really, you know, obviously a must win here for Michigan. Uh, I think, you know, you see them lose this game, and everyone is just going to say, there's that second half collapse again. Can't play well in the Big Ten. What do you see from Michigan coming up here this week? I see it as a win for Michigan, but I think it's one that uh, they kind of have to squeak out. Um, A lot of people don't know really how good Purdue's defensive line is, Mm -hmm. but they are good. They're, They're big guys. They're experienced. And they play good football. So uh, I feel like it's going to come down to maybe last play, last drive, last few minutes. So you think it's going to be a real close game? I do. Real close. I mean, it seems like they're getting a lot of guys back. Um, Let's see. I mean, who here? You got Ricky Barnum. He's going to be coming back. He suffered, you know, that sprained ankle against San Diego State. So he should be ready to go. Uh, Trey Wolfork. Um, you know he's you know he's practiced here on Sunday. He should be ready to go. Um, you know, it seems like they got you know, like a decent amount of guys here uh, that should be ready. I mean, Megan, do you think this is because I mean Purdue look they look good against Illinois, and I thought Illinois was for real, but they obviously maybe not for real. Or again, like James mentioned, maybe Purdue's not as bad as we think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Purdue's going to give Michigan a run for their money? I mean, of course. Uh, I mean, it was obviously a good game. I missed it. Um, yeah, I didn't to be watch honest, it yeah. So um, I mean, I, I, I flipped back here and yeah. there. Some stuff. I mean, it sounded like it was a good game, and I mean, we kind of blow off Purdue as a, a kind of a ugh, team every year. I feel like, especially lately. Um, but it yeah. sounds like it was it was a decent game, and I mean, Michigan and Purdue sound like decent teams, and I think, like you said, it'll be pretty close. I, I think. I just don't think you can overlook Purdue. I mean, Purdue is four and three. They're two and one in the conference. Uh, I don't think you can overlook them at all. I mean, if you look at them right now, they, they're ahead of Illinois, even still. So you can over, can't overlook them. For anyone who's not too aware of the standings, again, in the Legends division, Michigan State is on top, 3-0 in the conference, 6-1 overall. Michigan right behind them at 2-1 in the conference, 6-1. And, and then Nebraska at 2-1 and 6-1. And, and, and Iowa is also as well, 2-1. and one. They're 5-2 overall. Penn State, shockingly enough, 4-0 in the conference, 7-1 overall on top of the leaders division with Wisconsin trailing by a game. So uh, lots to go for here. Five weeks of college football flies by every year. Yeah, it does. Every year. just flies I, on by. I'm looking at Michigan's schedule this year. I, uh, I'd like to put down my prediction as them, them finishing the season with just two more losses. Well, let's real quickly, let's go through these games. Okay. We've got uh, Purdue. 
Okay, like I said, win for Michigan. Be, uh, win for Michigan, tough one. Um, we have at Iowa. I said before I thought Michigan State and Michigan both yep. go into Iowa and lose. Yep. Um, Illinois, I think that's a win. I feel like after last year's uh, crazy score. 67-65 I mean, crap football. Outrageous score. Oh, I mean, yeah. That was I, uh, the crappiest game of anyone who would like. That was crap. Yeah, I see, I see Michigan um, winning that game also. Uh, Nebraska. I have that as a loss for Michigan. Okay. Um, again, I still see Nebraska as a team to be reckoned with for the Big Ten title. And then I see this is the year that Michigan beats Ohio State. Okay. No, I mean, that, that's pretty close. I mean, I at most would have you know one more loss tacked in there. And, you know, that could be with OSU. It could be with an Illinois. But, yeah, I see Michigan, you know, Michigan probably end up 9-3 or 8-4. I, mean, I picked them 8-4 preseason. They won't shock me in the least if they go 9-3. Not at all. I mean, that schedule is not that terrible. Um, it really isn't. But I think where they, Michigan needs to watch out is to always put focus on teams like Purdue, like Illinois, and, you know, even even it's still Iowa. Like, you know, don't just get all focused up for Nebraska and OSU. Remember, you got three games here before you're going to be playing these better teams. So, um, no, good stuff, though. Uh, you know, again, Michigan State ranked ninth in the AP poll. They're going to be playing uh, this weekend at Nebraska. It's going to be a noon game. Uh, looks like it's going to be televised on ESPN, ESPN2. Try one of them. It'll be on there. But, uh, again, looking around the rest of the college football landscape, LSU beat Auburn 45-10 to to remain number one. Alabama trouncing Tennessee 37-6. to Oklahoma State looking great, beating Missouri 45-24. Um, some of the other better matchups, Stanford absolutely annihilating Washington 65-21. to Clemson, uh, Sammy Watkins, and, these, and, and boy, they're incredible. I don't know what kind of offense they found from this freshman and this quarterback, but five t- touchdown passes. Clemson wins 59-38. Defense questionable, but their offense is explosive. So uh, good for them. Again, other Nebraska played Minnesota this last week, for all of you that really care. Um, that was 41-14 to was your final score. So even Minnesota could put up 14 points on Nebraska. Hey, we can do it. South Minnesota can do I'm it. I'm not ruling us out at all yet. Oh no, I'm not ruling. My, not at all. Not at no. all. I mean, I think it's going to be again. I think it's going to be a close game. I, I think, think so it's going to come down to it. Come down to it for sure. And uh, again, Purdue beating Illinois 21 to 14. Illinois making a comeback there in the fourth. They they scored 14 in the fourth, but just not enough. They were down 21 to nothing after three quarters. So you know, Purdue gets a win. So no one forget about Purdue. Well, we don't have to play Purdue. So whatever. <laughs> so whatever. Michigan and Michigan State both missing out on Penn State is huge this year. If you look at Penn State's record, they've only lost to Alabama. And I know, Alabama, right? Of course you're going to lose to Alabama. They're such a good team. Of course you're going to lose to Alabama. Really watch out for Penn State. You could very well see a Penn State-Michigan State instead of Wisconsin-Michigan State. You could, State. and that's, I've always loved that, and I wish that's why I kind of, you know, with this, don't get me wrong, I'm happy that we have a championship game and we have divisions now, but I hate losing that game because I always love playing Penn State. It's always a fun game. We've been playing them since, we had been playing them since 1998, and now we're not. And now we play Indiana, like that's a rivalry game. Okay, well and, at and least we beat them on the road too for the first time in forever. No, huh? <laughs> no, it's true. I and mean, we just what was that last year? I think it was last or two year. years ago. It was really it was not too long ago, really. But yeah, Indiana has become our new rivalry game for Michigan State. You know, real tough at one and seven. Real tough. <laughs> oh, real tough. The doormats. Of the, I mean, they're worse. I mean, I don't know if they're worse. No, they're probably not as bad as Minnesota. Minnesota's garbage. But still, I mean, that's pretty easy game nonetheless. But uh, we are going to take a quick break here. When we get back, I want you guys to start thinking about the Detroit Lions, honestly. And I want to get some phone calls about this because the Lions got me fired up here, losing for their second week in a row, dropping a game to the Atlanta Falcons 23-16. to What do you think of this team here? I mean, are we seeing a team that is going to kind of crumble in the second half? Or are we seeing a team that's going to, you know, put it back together? 517-432-3893. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. When you get up in the morning and turn on the radio, you don't want to hear those other guys talking on your way to work, do you? You don't want to hear talking. You want to hear music. So here at The Impact, we are making you a promise. We're calling it the More Music Mornings 89 Second Play. 
We, the Impact, pledge that every weekday morning from 8 to 10 a.m., we will shut up and play music. We pledge that we won't talk for more than 89 seconds at a time, meaning more music all morning long. We pledge that every caller who requests a song between 8 and 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, will be entered to win a great Impact prize. And we pledge that in return for your listening to us, we will listen to you and play more music that you want to hear. So tune into the Impact for more music mornings. Let us know what to play, and maybe you could win some cool stuff. Only here on 88.9 The Impact. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Dave, Megan, and James here with you. Got about a half hour left, so a uh, lot to get to. Again, don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893, and we're going to dive right in. Uh, the Detroit Lions play this Sunday at Ford Field, second home game in a row, uh, actually third home game in a row for them, and uh, they played the Atlanta Falcons. The team 3-3 three and three, uh, coming in, um, kind of underachieved, I think, so far this season. A lot of people, you know, this was a favorite to pick for a possible Super Bowl berth, but really not looking like it into, you know, into going into Week 7. But the Atlanta Falcons got it done, and they ended up winning this game. 23-16 to is your final score for this game. Lions, again, dropping their second straight in a row here. And I just want to start it off right now, and let's just kind of get a roundtable thing going here. What do the Lions need to do? I mean, what's wrong with this team? I mean, I can look at a number of statistical things, but, I mean, offensively, problems. Third down conversion, problems, 1-for-12. Can't run the football. Is this team that started 5-0... and really a team that's going to be able to make that push you know the rest of the season because their schedule only gets tougher it only gets more difficult down the road here you know this is why they didn't, they need to take more advantage of these last two weeks they didn't but let's start talking about it i mean what megan i mean what do we think of this team here i know it's only two and they've lost two in a row it's nothing to really go crazy about but at the same time, it's not the way they it's not losing, it's the way they've lost. Yes. And the way they've lost is they've fallen apart on offense. And I that's that's what I can say. I mean their defense isn't isn't terrible still, but like their offense, they just couldn't get anything down the field. And that's how they lost the week or the week before this one. Mm-hmm. Is you know, Matt Stafford couldn't get the ball down the field. Like in the last play of the game he fell over. And, you know, it's, that's the thing I think they need to work on. Yeah, I mean, I think we were hyped up maybe a little bit too much. We did look good. We still do. We, we just need, we need to get back to how we were before these past two weeks is what okay, I Okay, yeah, James, so what has changed? That's the thing. I mean, is it the level of competition? You know, playing a Niners team and a Falcons team that are better than obviously we all thought that, you know, better than maybe some people thought they were? I mean, before you played the Vikings, you know, you played, you know, the Bears. What do you think it is about this team and the offense just completely kind of, you know, non-existent? I think no doubt we're playing a little more competitive teams mm-hmm. and those two teams. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily the reason why we're struggling the way we are. I mean, I feel like you got to put that on a little bit of the coaching. Uh, it looked like, you know, toward the end of the last two games, there was a lot of underneath passes and that looked like you were trying to be too aggressive. Mm-hmm. Then you also have to put it on dropped passes. I mean, we have some young players out there, even some of the players that have been in the league for for a while now, just dropping passes that you should not be dropping. Um, and then toward the end of last the last game, just missed tackles, tackling the wrong people. Um, I mean, it's really a combination that was annoying, of all wasn't those. It? It really How was. annoying was that on a fourth down play, when you have a chance to get the ball back, somehow he stumbles his way and falls down past the marker. How does that happen? I mean, like like I was saying when we were watching happen? the game, Vandenbosch just went for the wrong player. Yeah, he was tackling, He's tackling a, Yeah, tackling a lineman. Like, what? What are you doing? I mean, it just it seemed like a joke. I mean, it was like fourth and eight. Or not fourth, it was like third and eight for the Falcons. But nonetheless, I mean, this run, which should have been stopped two yards, you know, four yards shy of the first down, he stumbles his way in, like, just missing tackles again. Kind of looks like the old Lions. And, you know, again, you want to maybe kind of go against, the, obviously, the coach, the offense. I mean, Stafford, he just hasn't looked accurate. And that's the thing. He just, it's not about guys, you can always let quarterbacks off at times when you see a lot of tipped balls, a lot of dropped passes. 
but I haven't been seeing a ton of that. A lot of people blame it on the rushing, but if you look at the stats, this is our third best rushing game of the season with with 50 rush yards from Maurice Morris, which yep. isn't isn't great, but I mean, you really can't blame it on the fact that we can't run the ball. It, it's so much more than exactly. that. Exactly, and that's a great point because they rushed for 104 yards. You know, we held the Falcons to 129 yards, and they got Michael Turner. Yeah. They got the burner Turner who ran for 122, and yeah, Maurice, nine carries, 50 yards. I think that's good. That's 5.6 yards a carry. I mean, even if you want to look at Williams with 44 rushing yards, not that bad. Yeah, and they really did do a good job stopping the run. If it wasn't for that huge run by Turner, I think that was in the third quarter, yeah. then he would probably not have broken 100. No, you, no, he definitely wouldn't have broken 100. And again, listeners, I mean, do you think the Lions are going to be able to bounce back from this? I mean, they're at Denver this next week against Tebow time, and after that, then they get a bye, okay? Then they get to rest up a little bit. Give me a call, 517-432-3893. But I think, I mean, you look at 1 for 12 and third down conversions. Pathetic. Penalties again. I mean, how many times, how many weeks in a row do I need to bring up penalties in Detroit Lions? 10 penalties for 84 yards. Stupid, stupid penalties. All the time. And, uh, you know, something that these, this team keeps shooting, shooting themselves in the foot with. Um, I, I believe this team had a chance to win this game. And yet again, they just they didn't look like they wanted it. And I think that's the biggest thing that hurt me. That, that, that fire that we saw in the belly of this team doesn't seem to be there as much these days. When, they been getting, when they've been getting punched in the mouth, they have been punching back. And, I mean, again, give four field fans credit. They're not doing anything wrong. The love, the noise level is still amazing there. Three false start penalties uh, this week again now for the opposing team. Um, two of them back-to-back, which forced the Falcons out of field goal range. Um, you know, So the fans have been doing their job, um, hands down. They've been getting it done. But, I mean, ah, Megan, hmm. again, we're going to be playing the Broncos coming up here, right? Denver just having an amazing comeback, being down 15 to nothing against the Dolphins. Um, Tebow playing like crap for 57 minutes, completes four passes in 57 minutes, and his last three minutes throws two touchdown passes, runs in a two-point conversion, and somehow saves Bronco Nation for one more week. Hmm. Uh, the Broncos are now 2-4. and four. Do you think we can go into Denver? Uh, you know, we never play well when we travel, in my opinion. We go out west. I don't think the Lions have ever played that well. But do you think that we can set the ship, get back on track, and kind of, you know, I mean, we're 5-2. and two. This is nothing that, like I said, get crazy about, but things can unravel a little faster than I think fans believe at times. Uh, what do you think of this game coming up? I think they can win. I really do. Um, from what it, I didn't get to see any of the Broncos game, obviously, but like from what it sounded like... All you got to do is watch the last minute and a half, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's about it. I mean, just... Tigers, or Tigers, wow. Lions need to shut them down for the whole entire game. I mean, if they could come back in the last minute and a half, um, all you have to do is just play good defense. Um, honestly, just shut down Tebow, Bieber, whatever they call them in that article. Tebow Bieber. <laughs> Tebow Bieber. And um, I, I think they can do it. I mean, honestly, yeah, we're not good on the road, but we've proven we can win on the road. And um, that's the thing is we've done it. We just yeah, need to get did it back. against on, Dallas? Yeah, we just Minnesota? need to get back on track. Um, I think they can do it, and I think this is a week for them to do it, too, honestly. I James, think this I is mean, well, and first off, before before I say anything more about that, I do want to let everyone know that today, um, this is not too long ago, this news broke about an hour ago, a little bit more, but um, Coach saying on uh, Matt Stafford, because Matt Stafford, if you saw there on that final play of the game, it looked like he rolled his ankle, possibly a uh, knee injury as well. Uh, but they did an MRI today, and Coach uh, Jim Schwartz says, quote, it's nothing more than day-to-day, end quote. Um, he was not a walking boot Sunday night and Monday, but the MRI results did come back negative on the ankle. Like, he didn't tear anything in his near ankle. It just looks like he rolled it, so it's going to be you know have some swelling. Do you think he'll be ready for the game against the Broncos? I do think he'll be ready. Okay. I, um, in, in a situation where he isn't, I am completely comfortable with our backup quarterback play. And that is something that's true. And that's something I think we talked about a lot last year. I think we've talked about it in general. We have Sean Hill, I think one of the one of the best backups in the league. Hands Should be down. starting somewhere. He could be. With some of the I mean, come on, if Kyle Bowler has thrown passes around for Oakland. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know they got Carson these days now as well, but Sean Hill's solid. And I think he was pretty solid for us last year. And even Drew Stan, the kid's what, in his sixth year? Yeah. I think it might even be fifth, but yeah. fifth or sixth. Yeah, nonetheless, he's had time in this league. I know he hasn't as many reps as we've all, you know, expected him to get. 
But, you know, I think you're playing a Broncos team that is crap through the air. They're 26th in the league when it comes to passing yards. They rank 16th in the league when it comes to rushing. Now, that is nine, that is 11 spots better than us. We're at the 27th, um, you know, Mark, but... Who just went down for him? Yeah, uh, I mean they they lost their running back in uh, McGahey. They so, just lost I mean, McGahey. I'm ge- going to go ahead and guarantee to win here. You're going to guarantee? Yes, I am. I'm guaranteeing to win here. Um, I don't see any reason why we can't go into <laughs> Mile High. I think now it's called Sports Authority Field at Mile High. That's pretty stupid. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, so I feel Let's like go we can Dix. go in there if we can contain Tebow. I mean, the guy is. He's much scarier on the ground than he is in the passing game. Um, he, yeah, he completed four passes in 57 minutes. I'm and, not worried about him And we look to be, you know, gaining a, a little bit more control on our run defense. So as long as we can, you know, kind of contain him, I'm not too worried about the running back position or even really any of the receiving positions. Um, so, yeah, I guarantee you to win here. Guarantee? Well, you know, we might as well bring the guaranteed back since we probably won't have an NBA season, at least for a while. <laughs> might as well. So might as well bring the guaranteed back. All right. No, and that, you know, and that, I think they're going to win this game this weekend, too. I really really do I think I mean yeah the Broncos stole a game from the Dolphins this last weekend but at the same time I mean the Broncos look like crap they look like crap most of the game okay most of the game and they let some things get away from themselves a fumble in the overtime which set up the 52 yard field goal for Prater uh, for the Broncos so when all is said and done I I think that this excitement with Tebow will be short-lived I think Tebow is an okay very literally okay quarterback. I think he would be better suited at his separate position um, personally in the league. I just don't think he has a correct release when it comes to his throwing the football. That's why you see him running the ball all the time because he really doesn't have accuracy when it comes to downfield. I think his best throws are his little dump screen passes. Yeah. And honestly, I could do that. So, you know, I'm not too worried about that. I think the Lions know how important this game is right here. You don't want to lose three straight going into that bye week because I think then you let that loss just simmer. And you let that, it just simmers for a whole week. And that can really screw up the mentality of a football team, especially a young team like Detroit. Detroit's I really, young. I really wouldn't even mind seeing them sit Stafford for this game with how confident we are in our backup, knowing that next week's a bye, that allows two weeks for Stafford to rest. It does. And see, and, and the important thing here, I mean, I don't know. You really need this victory. If Stafford, the only reason I wouldn't play Stafford if he's just not healthy enough. Right. If he's healthy enough, then he's out there. And even if he's 90%, play him. Okay? If it's something that you know he's not going to tweak worse or screw up more. It's just too important to win this game here against Denver. Because you look at their final eight games. At Chicago, home against the Panthers with Cam Newton and that explosive offense. Who knows what you're going to get at Ford Field. And then you've you got to play Green Bay on Thanksgiving. At New Orleans. Home against Minnesota. Okay, there's an easier one. But even Christian Ponder's looking better out there for the Vikings. At the Raiders. Home with the Chargers. And then at Green Bay. That's tough. That is just tough. I mean, I know we looked at it earlier. And you say, okay, win against... I say win at Chicago. I say win Thanksgiving against Green Bay. Win against Minnesota at home. But the rest of those games could all easily be losses, potentially. And even at Chicago still could be a loss. Because that's a tough divisional road game. Uh, I just think the Lions... You know, you don't have to start worrying necessarily too much just yet, but before you know it, the panic button could need to be hit. You just don't know. I mean, this is what comes to the NFL. Things change fast. I I'll never forget the Broncos starting six and zero no more than two years ago again and absolutely falling apart. Just absolutely falling into obscurity, not even relevant in the slightest. The Lions did the same thing when they went six and two in two thousand and seven. Went one and seven the rest of the way. I know this is a different team. They're built differently. They're coached differently. But it can all unravel very fast, especially when you got to play the Packers, a team that's seven and zero and looking unbeatable, and you got to play them twice. Okay, not easy, and especially at New Orleans. New Orleans just puts up sixty-two points. I know it was the Colts. Colts are terrible, but they still just put up 62 points. So it's not the easiest stretch run. But uh, we're going to move on past that into something else regarding the Detroit Lions real fast. And this has to do with Ndamukong Sue and comments made about him being a dirty player again, um, the Lions in general being a dirty team. And this is the comments uh, Sue had on regards to the, what um, the Atlanta Falcons players said about him. He says, quote, there's no point in these accusations. It means nothing to me. But it is really unsettling to me that there's media outlets and reporters that don't do their homework. And it is unsettling because that is their job. Go back and watch the film and then come to me and point to where I made mistakes. Point to where I cut somebody. Where I hit somebody late in the back. Let me know. I want to see it. End quote. And, you know, basically, like I said, Atlanta Falcons players made comments about Indomitian Sue and Cliff Averill making, uh, you know, mean-spirited remarks at Matt Ryan when he was laying on the ground when his offensive lineman stepped on his leg. 
So, what do you think of this, James? Megan, are these guys dirty? Are they dirty? Are these comments warranted? Because it's he said, she said. They, you know, Falcon said they said it. Lions said they didn't. Does it even matter? I mean, honestly. I personally can't believe we're having this conversation. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't is, want to, this but it, this is football. I mean, right. why, why is this even a topic? I mean, we're talking about a game where you are supposed to hit people, where you're supposed to create a situation where they fall flat on their butt. Punch them in the mouth. I mean, come on. Uh, this is... This is professional football. It doesn't matter if he's running his mouth a little bit. If he's not giving him a hit, a late hit or grabbing him by the face mask, I mean, a little bit of taunting, really? I just think it's unnecessary. I, I think it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like you said, it's he said, she said. How do we really know what they said? I mean, they're each going to say, he said this, he said that, and then you're going to say, well, what did he actually say? We're yeah. not going to know. So and I guess it's actually thing. he said, he said, but. Yeah, and, I, and you know what? It's football. It really is, and things are going to happen. People are going to exchange words. People are going to get upset. They're going to say things out of, you know, adrenaline, things that they wouldn't probably say to someone normally, like a teammate on the sideline, you know, or when they're playing, like, in practice. You know, it just, it, it happens. And it, like you said, it's football. Why are we having this conversation? <laughs> that kind of thing. That's true. I mean, listen, of course, if they were making comments about <clears throat> Matt Ryan being injured or whatever, like, you know, I've I'd grabbed the cart, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, obviously, it's mean-spirited, but to James's and yours point, this is football. And if football is nothing but mean-spirited, someone else inform me, because that's what football is. Uh, I mean, you tell me when guys are in these piles, I know what's going on at the bottom of those piles. And guys are p- pinching and grabbing and pulling mm-hmm. and doing whatever and just taunting just to try to get another guy worked up, get him off his game. That's part of it. It's trash talk. It's in every sport. You want to go to the NBA, you want to go to the NHL. It's the guys that can't keep their composure, that let comments get under their skin. Those are the guys that have the problem. Right. I mean, look at today's game, the Monday Night Football game. If anybody's out there and plans on watching it, just watch Ray Lewis for a few downs. The guy talks so much trash. Oh, yeah. I mean, because talking trash really is, it it just doesn't make sense to talk about it. It's football. There's going to be trash talk. One of the objectives is to get into the other guy's head. Exactly. Throw him off his game. Exactly. You throw him off, you say whatever. Now, of course... If I was a football player, I'd have a certain level of a you know boundary I wouldn't cross. Exactly. Of course. But at the same time, it's football, and you're going to say what you want to say. And regarding Matt Ryan's brief injury Sunday, Adama Kinsu says, quote, to me, it's karma for all the bad stuff they've done in the past. Their offensive linemen hurt their own quarterback, end quote. So, you know, hey, it, it's you're just trying to get in the other guy's head, and you'll do whatever you can to do it. And I'm not going to blame Cliff Averill or Adama Kinsu on that, because that, that doesn't make him a dirty player mm-hmm. at all. It has nothing to do with it. Because if that made someone a dirty player, then why don't we round up the next 300 football players that play almost every... You know, give me a break. Talk is so much different than actually acting on something. It's like if you're going to go and, you know, helmet to helmet someone on purpose, that's a whole different situation. Yeah. But if you're just going to sit there and just talk about something and, you know, just ramble on and not do anything about it, how does that make you dirty? No, exactly. And I mean, just talking. No, it's stupid. And this is what Cliff Averill had to say regarding that they were cast as a dirty team, not even like one player. He says, quote, you watch the film of Atlanta's O-line, and they are 20, 30 yards down the field cutting guys. You are running toward the pile, and they're trying to clean you up. Everybody was protecting themselves. I guess they just couldn't clean us up in piles because guys were aware of it. They decided to make it like we were the dirty players, end quote. And, you know, again, I think the Atlanta Falcons players were kind of easily taking all this media stuff that we've gotten on Sue the last few weeks, the handshake with Schwartz and Harbaugh, and really trying to spin something here that never even existed to begin with. Exactly. And if you look at, I don't know if anybody was watching the game out there, but there was a play where Delmas low-cut one of the players. It was completely legal. Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, yep. but he hit him right in his knee, and he, he injured him. And, and yep. immediately he jumped up and, and said, bring somebody over here. Bring some over. Help this guy out. Help the guy up himself he was there praying for him Pray cross I mean, crossing himself up there twice three times there right i mean yep. you're gonna call us dirty and we got people like that that are paying more than enough attention to the opposing team when they're hurt no exactly no it is ridiculous but uh we are gonna have to move on past that we probably shouldn't waste any more time but yeah i don't believe this team's dirty at all uh, again like we've all said before there's certain difference in aggressiveness tenaciousness that i think a guy like sue and our d-line brings that you know a lot of people aren't used to and i think in today's day and age in football where it's becoming this league of flag football in a lot of ways. I think guys like this would have been revered 
20 years ago, and now today we all need to question, is this guy just dirty? Is he aggr-? No, he's just aggressive. He knows how to play the, dang, the darn game. He knows how to play. And that's what's the important thing is, is that no one has seen a guy like Sue before. I don't think no one has seen a compilation of Vanden Bosch, Williams, Sue, Fairley, all in the same line. And I think, let's just, back to James, this is football. And I'm getting sick and tired of the way these refs and the way the rule book and the way the league is trying to come down on how to actually play this football game. But we're going to move on to some of the other quick scores around the league. Again, Monday Night Football is tonight. 8.30 is your kickoff. Jaguars at home against the Ravens. The Jags 1-5. Ravens 4-1. Jags. Come on, boys. Get a win. Uh, let's see. Other games around the league. Browns beating the Seahawks 6-3. Texans absolutely annihilating the Titans 41-7. Uh, Bears end up beating the Bucks. A game played in London. I guess the Bucks were the home team, but not really because it was in London. Um, Bucks lose 18-24. Jets get the best of the Chargers there in the second half, winning 27-21. to uh, But yeah, Plaxico, three touchdowns. Good for that guy. Uh, Carolina Panthers, Newton again getting it done. 256 yards through the air, 68 on the, um, 66 on the ground, I believe. Uh, two touchdowns. Great job by Cam winning that game. Raiders getting shut out 28 to nothing by the Chiefs. Uh, Carson Palmer uh, and Bowler combined for a total of six picks. Uh, eight picks total in the game. Absolutely disgusting. But Carson, he never. I mean, Bowler is just so bad that <laughs> they just had to put Carson in for a minute. And the Cowboys against the Rams. Cowboys win 34 to 7. DeMarco Murray, a rookie, just absolutely shattering records running for 253 yards on 25 carries, one touchdown, an absolute incredible feat to watch. If anyone has not seen highlights, check them out if you want to because they are good. You're welcome, by the way. Yeah, thank you. That helped fantasy out a little bit. Just a skosh. And again, the Saints beat the Colts 62-7. to Packers best the Vikings 33-27. But uh, we are going to move on. You want to do NASCAR real fast? NASCAR. Tell them all about Talladega and... Well, okay, well, what we'll do right now is the Detroit Tigers real fast, and we'll just talk, and, you know, just your favorite Tigers moment, and if anyone out there has an opinion on this as well, I would love to hear it. We didn't have a chance last week, and I figured we'd get to it this week. Again, the phone number is 517-432-3893 is the number. Uh, what was your favorite Tigers moment throughout the whole season? And, James, I want to hear yours. Well, mine was on the night of September 4th. Um, the Tigers absolutely massacred the White Sox to the tune of an 18-2 final. Um, and this was just after uh, we essentially took them out of the postseason race by winning the two nights before. Um, but 18-2, I mean, I, I loved the game. And typically you don't like a game like that unless you are the home fan, the, oh, yeah. the one who's on the winning side. But uh, it was just nice to see us come in against a team who we've just – Played so tough over the past few years, and one that I really just don't like. No, just hate didn't him. like the White Sox. Hate him, and uh, just beat him eighteen to two. It was it was great. It was my favorite. It should have been a shutout. Memory of the year should have been a shutout. It was eighteen nothing in the ninth. Yeah, and, and the crazy part about it was Andy Dirks had uh, four RBIs, the same as Miggy, and uh, didn't come in till the bottom of the sixth. Yeah, every player I think almost every player had two plus hits. Yeah. in this game, and no, that wasn't. That, I think that game, that whole series, when you saw the win two wins earlier, you really saw where this team was taken off from. Definitely. I think that was a stamp of like, all right, this team, we'll see you in the postseason. Because that's how well they played. Um, hands down, my favorite moment, and I'm more biased because I was at this game, but nonetheless, I loved it to death. Jared Weaver versus Justin Verlander on July 31st at uh, Tiger Stadium. Um, one of, the, one of the, the best game I've ever been to in my life, hands down, and I think it really set the pace for Verlander to go on that crazy tear that he went on as well. Um, you know, it was, you know, the, the AL Cy Young battle at that point. And from then on, Verlander, you know, wins 12 straight starts, absolutely dom- dominates. I mean, you see Weaver getting ejected because he thinks Guillen shows him up. He's, he's barking at Mags. It had all the drama, all the excitement. Um, you know, Maglio hits a home run, which that'll probably be the last home run we ever see Maglio hit which was pretty awesome. And him and Guillen get home runs. The two guys with their broken knees and ankles are the guys getting it done in that game. That game to me was just too much. Too exciting. <laughs> what was your favorite moment? My the favorite moment is, be, is uh, you know, Brandon Inge was struggling. He got sent down to AAA ball. Mm-hmm. And then when he came back up for his first game back with the Tigers, he hit a home run at his first at-bat. Yes, he did. And, you know, I just think I really liked that moment um, because people were so doubtful. About him, when they, when he got sent down, they were like, "He's done. He's old. He's not a good third baseman he's anymore. Yeah, he's been on the team for too long. He needs to quit." Like, 
endless amount of stuff that I was hearing from people. And he comes back, and obviously we're not going to see this every time from him, even though he did extremely well in the postseason. Yes, he did. But he went up to bat first time, hit the bat, home run. Everyone's like... Oh my gosh! Everyone's all excited, like fired up because he's back oh, yeah. up, and, and it was a good feel-good moment for the guy. Exactly, and I was at that game too. Like you were at the the yep. Weaver Verlander, and I was I was at the inch home run game. So I mean, I thought it was really cool because just someone who who's been struggling can come back. You know, he's strong. been with us for so long. Exactly. He endured the 119 you know lost season back in 2003, and yeah, to see a guy like that who's completely a team player had mm-hmm. no trouble going down, realized he wasn't performing well enough, came back up like a veteran and really, you know, he just he figured his swing out, and he did what veterans do, and now, honestly, I think he's easily earned his way back onto our team, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, not at, not with some big contract, but he's earned his way back. Yep. Um, real fast, though, we're going to go to uh, the World Series and what's going on there. Uh, game 1 took place here last Wednesday um, at, uh, Saint, um, at St. Louis. They have home field advantage, the National League, since winning the All-Star game. But the Cardinals won the first game of the series. 3-2 to two was your final score there. Uh, game 2 was played Thursday night, um, still at Cardinals Stadium. And Texas wins 2-1 to one in a very close game. Game 3 was on Saturday night, and the next three games here for Saturday, Sunday, and today are in uh, the Red uh, Texas, uh, Texas' ballpark. And uh, absolutely a blowout. 16-7 to seven was your final. Cardinals winning Game 3. Albert Pujols hits three home runs in Game 3, becoming only the third player in the history of uh, the game to actually hit three home runs in the postseason in one game. Babe Ruth did it in 1926 and 28, and Reggie Jackson did it in 1977 with the New York Yankees. So good stuff for Pujols there. Game 4 was last night um, against still in Texas. Texas winning 4-0. Um, you know, big home run from Michael Young, but absolutely fantastic pitching from Derek Holland. Holland locking down the Cardinals completely. They had no idea what they were seeing. And uh, now we got a game tonight. It's 8.05 is your start time. Going to be starting up here in about 10 minutes. Again, this is the final game that they will be playing in Texas. And then they'll be traveling back to St. Louis for the final game. Tonight's matchup is going to be C.J. Wilson versus Chris Carpenter. Um, should be a good matchup. Uh, C.J. Wilson really kind of looking he needs to get a win. Uh, C.J. Wilson has struggled so pathetically um, in the postseason so far. Um, he hasn't won in the postseason since Game 2 against Tampa Bay in last year's division series. He's 0-5 with a 6.18 ERA in seven playoff starts. So, got to pick it up real fast. Um, James, start with you. The series is not up at 2. It's going to be going back to St. Louis. Who's going to win the World Series? I originally had Texas winning the World Series, and I still believe they'll do so. Um, but Texas I- in 6 or 7. I want to say six, but I really think it'll go seven. Seven? Okay. Megan? I'm going to have to go with St. Louis. Um, same thing. I think it's going to be close. There's been some close games. There's been some very wide-range games, you know, and I, I think St. Louis is going to pull it out. Yeah, I'm going to go St. Louis, too. I think St. Louis gets the win tonight. They've traded games each game this series back and forth, and I think I'll take Chris Carpenter over C.J. Wilson. Um, and that's why, I mean, I think that if the, yeah, if the Cards get one of these here, you know, in Texas, well, another one, excuse me, then they will, I mean, they only need to get one more out of two games at their home ballpark. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. But that's it. And again, I mean, we don't have to talk about much more because I don't really even care for the matchup, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I don't even really want to watch it. Like I said, I, I, I lose so much interest, like, once Detroit gets knocked out. <clears throat> it's like, whatever. Do you want me to do NASCAR? Please do. Tell everyone of NASCAR Nation what happened to Talladega. All right. Well, yep, this past weekend, like you said, was Talladega. This was yesterday. Actually, the funny thing is, Talladega Nights was on at the same time as Talladega. Oh, really? TBS working that out? It wasn't TBS. It was Comedy Central. Um, I was flipping back and forth between the real race and the fake race, so I thought that was kind of funny. Um... (laughs) You know, it was a lot of cautions, a lot of accidents. Um, I can't remember who was in it. Last five laps, I think, someone just went straight into a wall and smashed up the whole front of their car. Oh, um, yeah, it was uh, Regan Smith. Was it? Okay. Yeah, he just went, yeah, we saw, I, we saw the last ten laps as well, and it just went, he went straight into the wall. Yeah, and, you Thank know, God he's okay. Yeah, they checked out him, they said he was good, you know, all that good stuff, so at least he was all right. There were a lot of crashes, though. There were a lot of people going off into the, the grass and everything, you know. Um, I honestly, I don't know how I missed the end of the race, even though I watched the majority of it. I thought it was a wider range finish. I think I changed the channel because I thought it was going to be. But actually, um, Clint Boyer only won by 0.0. 
seconds. Yeah, I mean, what happened was they were driving in tandem. You know, how they're yeah, doing yeah, the yeah. whole race. And yeah, then right towards maybe the final hundred yards of it, whoever was behind Boyer broke off and tried to pass him. I did know that. I'm stupid. But I did know that. And so we had Clint Boyer. It was Jeff Burton was who yep. was behind him. So he was pushed in. It was funny because they had him on the, um, they were t- they had him on the, whatever, the TV. So that what they were saying. Yeah. And then Burton's like, Nice win. Like, he didn't even, he wasn't even mad about it. He was just like, good job. Hey, nice good win. Job. Yeah, so we had Boyer, Burton, Blaney. Those were your top three. Keselowski, four. Vickers, five. Kane, six. Stewart, seven. Hamlin, eight. Waltrip, nine. And then Truex Jr. was 10th. Um, I can give you your top 10 for the Sprint Cup right now. We have Edwards in first, who's ahead by 14 points. Kenseth in second. Keselowski, third. Stewart, fourth. Harvick, fifth. Kyle Busch, sixth. Johnson 7th, Bush 8th, or that's Kurt Bush, Dale Earnhardt 9th, and Jeff Gordon 10th. Honestly, watching this race, so many of the Chase guys were anywhere between 20th and like 30th place. The they were so far back. I think what they're trying to do is like they were talking about it. Dale Earnhardt and Jimmy Johnson were playing it safe. Yeah. They just didn't want to get in any accidents. They just wanted to finish the race, all that good stuff. So just let you know, next week is. Martinsville at Martinsville Speedway. We're down to our last four races. November 20th is the last race. So uh, this pff, Sunday, this Sunday, uh, 1.30. There's four left. Martinsville so get your NASCAR so. filling, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. If you want it real fast, I know we got to get going here soon. But the Detroit Red Wings are 5-1-0 right now, coming off a tough loss, actually, Saturday night against the Washington Capitals. The only two undefeated teams. Capitals end up beating the Wings 7-1. to So, again, the Wings right now are 5-1-0. and uh, They will be playing at the Columbus Blue Jackets here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Then they'll be home against San Jose on Friday night at 7.30 as well. And then at Minnesota, the Wild, for Saturday at 8 p.m. The Columbus Blue Jackets, not a good team at all. They don't have a win yet, so they are definitely struggling. Hopefully Detroit can right the ship, because right Right now, they are 27th out of 30 teams in penalty kill and ranked 13th in the power play. They need to do better. Ty Conklin will get the start here on Tuesday against the Blue Jackets because Jimmy Howard and his wife Rachel had just had the birth of their son. So Conklin gets another chance. But I want to thank everyone out there for tuning in to the Spartan Sports Wrap this evening. Got a big show again for you next week. A lot to discuss, so definitely tune in. For everyone here at the Sports Wrap, my name is Dave Franke. My name, Megan. Is, my name is James. <laughs> my name is Bill. No, and you guys have a great night out there. All right, bye. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.